Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So I'm going to invite a very special couple up to be with us today, two very close friends of mine. And I asked them whenever we did this story because of where they are right now in this story. So far, they've not experienced what you might call that big happy ending. A lot of the stories we have up here, you have that big happy ending. They're kind of still in the middle of where they are right now. So I'm going to ask Michael, which this is the last time I'm going to call him Michael because everybody calls him Mook except for maybe his mom. His mom might be here somewhere. M-O-O-K, if you're wondering. Some people call him Mookie. I just can't go that far, all right? So so Mook and Harley, but we love them very much. They're dear to our church family. So I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come up. I don't even know where they are right now. But okay, guys, so come on up. Let's give them a, a hand. It takes, did they not get it on the spot? Am I on the spot? Okay, good. So uh, the story that they're going to share with us today, and I'm going to ask them some questions, is going to be along the lines of infertility. And the reason this story is so important, we've talked about addiction, we've talked about mental health issues, there have been so many things that we've talked about from this stage, but there are people in this room right now, and and just quite frankly, my my wife and I went through three years before Cora was born, and there may be some people that are going through this right now. The difficulty of, of trying to get pregnant and knowing that you're ready for, for that stage of life, you, you've been married for, I think I got, heard you guys say six years, a little bit earlier. Almost six. Almost six Almost years. Close. Okay. And so I'm going to ask them to share a little bit about their journey because some of you who have been there, if you're in the middle of it or you have friends or family members that are in it, you're going to consider this to be very, very beneficial more so than anything because it's easy to get angry during that time. And they'll probably share a little bit of that. But they're also just people of absolutely incredible faith. And I just love them so much. And I'm just, I'm so glad that you guys are with us today. So the first thing that I want you guys to do, because there are some people in here that, that, that may be here for the first time, or, or they just don't know you guys very well, because a lot of times they're both in the tech booth. That's usually where they serve. Tell us a little bit about uh, coming to know Jesus, you know, your salvation story, or at least early along in, in your, your walk with Christ, and also, because you guys have been here much longer than me, how you came about coming to Believer's Church. So I went to First Baptist Church at Bailenton. It was my home church, and I just started the youth program. Um, and one Sunday after service, um, we had a deacon that he no longer is with us, but um, he came to a lot of our youth and, you know, would ask us questions and see, you know, if we had questions about salvation and things like that. Um, so we had Sunday school and then we had service afterwards. 
So in between those is when I came to him and we went to a room that was used um, for a Sunday school room for the adults and he led me to uh, Christ. And I was um, in middle school. Okay. Well, for me, I went to First Christian Church in Kingsport forever. Family took me. Um, mom, mom, dad, you know, pretty pretty prominent members there. Um, was really active in the youth, and I know that we went to Judgment House. I know Judgment House was yep. supposed to scare the living bejesus out of you. Right? Yeah, Beth and I love Judgment Houses, by the way. Yeah. So it got my wheels turning. You know, I I knew I was in church. I knew about Jesus. I wasn't saved yet, but the judgment house kind of kicked it in. I was probably 13, 14, somewhere around that age. I can't remember. Um, but that's, and then when that happened, I talked to the pastor of the church, got saved, got baptized, and that. Um, to answer the second part of the question, how we came, came here was my previous job. I was a copier tech for a company, so I was fixing copiers. And this so happened to be one of my accounts. Um, the previous pastor, Mike Friday, invited me one Sunday. And it, for the people that haven't been here that long, the stage used to be on this wall over here. They were just starting to build this. And I was like, okay, we'll come. I'll come visit by myself. And about a month later, Harley and I decided to come back. And ever since then, we've been here. So that's how we got here to Believer's Church. And now we both serve. I serve back there in the tech booth as a sound engineer. And Harley does a little bit of everything around here. And, and that's a true story. She really does a little bit of everything. Sometimes you'll see her at the door over there. Sometimes she's carrying things from, from room to room. But one thing that I can say, and, and she's also in the tech booth most of the time, but just a, these two have servants' hearts like like very few, and, and those of you that have been with us for a long time, you know that, but that's just something that I was immediately impressed with. Uh, should also mention that Harley helps out with Neighborhood Nights, which is our community um, ministry that we do in a trailer park right down the road here. We have several different special things that we do, and Harley's instrumental with the, with the food part, with the serving and the food part with that. So they're both very, very special people. So the next thing that I wanted to ask you guys is how did you meet so I guess we might be going back a little bit. How did you meet? And I think that whenever couples get together, they usually, I hope this is something they talk about, but kind of what their idea of family looks like. Are we going to have kids? Are we not going to have kids? Are we going to have 12 kids? Are we going to have one kid? It doesn't always work, work out exactly that way, but there's usually some kind of idea that you have coming in. And that really speaks into where your story is and some of the things that you guys are going to share. So... How did you meet? And why is that so funny? I know why. But, but so, so how did they meet? And what did you guys look at as kind of your perfect idea of family? So there's two funny stories. We told our family when we first met that we met through friends. It was a that complete, you met through friends? Yeah, but okay. it was a law. Um, we, yeah, they're wonderful Christians. <laughs> Um, we actually met on a dating website. Yes. Um, uh, it's probably still around. I don't really know. It's called plentyoffish.com or pof.com. That's how Beth um, and I met. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit on there, and then we ended up meeting at the John City Mall, was my, which is was my first time being at the John City Mall because I grew up in a small community. Um, 
So we met there. Uh, we parked underneath the lots because I was terrified he was going to be an 80-year-old creeper. So I was prepared. I got out of the car and started walking straight to the front what door. What year is this? This was in 2011. 2011. Yeah, online in dating kind of still had some of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we, um, my family is very traditional. So before you're allowed to take me out or anything like that, we have to, you have to meet the parents first. Um, so he came over one day to meet uh, my mom and stepdad before we went out with another couple. Um, he sat on my dad's, my stepdad's um, seat in the kitchen. Um, if you ever grew up, you always know the head of the table was the man's. So he sat there when yeah, he walked job. in. Um, <laughs> and then my stepdad came in from the field, and before he even saw Michael, he told him that he was Mike Jeter's son. Uh, we didn't know the relationship between my stepdad and my fall-in-law, Mike uh, Jeter, which is Michael Jeter, too. Um, but my, fall, my stepfather, J.W., and Mike, my um, fall-in-law, actually worked at Eastman together for many years. Um, and then when we got married at the wedding, we realized that my fall-in-law actually went on a golf trip with my uncle that's on my dad's side of the family. So it's all been entwined. You lost me, but okay. Uh, Somewhere everybody knew each other, but we just didn't know each other. Okay. And then uh, my idea of a family was I grew up with six siblings. Um, I have three brothers, three sisters. Um, We're all step, half, whatever. We really don't really consider any of that. Uh, We're all to us or blood related. So I wanted a big family because I always relied on my siblings for things, um, and they were always like our best friends, our go-to when that. So my idea, when we first started this, my max number was four. Probably freaked Michael out because he never was raised around that many siblings, but it didn't make a difference between me because, I mean, I've had six siblings, so the more the merrier I felt like. (laughs) Well, she kind of explained the whole us meeting. So my idea of a family was, you know, I decided, you know, Young age, I was wanting to get married, you know. Didn't know who I was going to get married to, didn't know anything. And like you say, when we first met, by the end of that day, we were walking around Walmart. And she was getting some stuff for her family to take home to eat supper with. And I was, I was like, yep, I'm marrying that girl right there. I knew first date. Right there in Walmart? Right in Walmart. Okay. You can believe it. I thought that anyways. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry that girl. So then five years later, we got married. So, But my idea of a family was, is, you know, I have one brother, Jeff. Um, and so it was just the two of us. So I was like, yeah, one or two kids will be fine with me. Three's fine. When she said four, I kind of, oh, God, excuse me. You know, but the more I think about it, it's just... I would be fine with whatever. Like, I, I don't have a preference now, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, one or two in the beginning, three's fine. I'm just whatever now. I don't care. Okay. But there is, But there was never a question for you guys that you may not have children. It was always, you know, because of the family. And I know I grew up, you know, and ended up having a brother and sister later. But with one brother, how far apart are you guys in years? Uh, three. Pretty close. You're probably pretty close. and, uh, and then... It's like two years and 56 weeks or something. I don't know. Okay. I was February 2nd. He's February 9th. And 56, I think it'd be three years. But 
Okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm horrible at math. I'm worse. I promise. Okay. <laughs> but so you, but so you had a brother, and you had a larger family. But that was always something that was very central to both of you. Yes. Okay. So, so now comes the harder part. You know, as far as discussing this, um, and let me see exactly how I have it phrased here. Share a little bit with us as much as you feel like you can about your journey with infertility and maybe how far into your marriage you had decided that you wanted to start trying to have kids and just kind of what this whole process has looked like for you guys and and the detail level and, and what you feel comfortable sharing is completely up to you. So we decided when we first got married, um, even before we got married, I guess we were engaged and stuff. You know, you try to have the kid talk and stuff like that before you decide to actually get married. So we decided to take a year when we got uh, married just to focus on us as a couple. Um, you know, even though we dated for um, years, you know, marriage was a huge switch over from dating engagement to an actual marriage, a huge commitment. So we waited for a year to actually do anything, um, try all that stuff. Um, when the year was up, we um, decided to try, of course, you know, your natural way of trying as a married couple. Um, we did that for, I guess, a couple of months or so. Um, and then we ended up going to our OBGYN doctor um, in Johnson City is where I go. Um, and then... At that time, the doctor doesn't work there anymore, but he, you know, he would pitch you on medicine um, to try to kind of make this uh, process a little bit smoother for us to try to have a child. And he would put them, he would pitch you on medicine, and then every month would have to, you know, report back if you know you pregnant, not pregnant. Um, after a couple of tries of just doing medicine through OBGYN, um, he felt like it was time for us to get referred over to fertility. Um, the fertility doctor we go to is Dr. Ransom. Um, he's in Johnson City as well. Um, he does all the fertility, I guess, in, I don't know, in Tri-Cities. I've not met any other doctor that's doing fertility. Uh, we've always been with Dr. Ransom for almost five years. Um, at first, when you go to fertility, um, it's a little bit different than your OBGYN. They want to do all this test. Uh, you do blood work, test on uh, the woman, and also test on the man to see if there's any actual causes of what um, is preventing you to get pregnant. After all the test is done, if there's nothing medication-wise that he can fix or try to fix, um, he usually sets you down to do a treatment plan. Um, so our treatment plan that we have been on for four and a half years, three years, yeah, three years, um, is called IUI. Um, it is a treatment where everything is structured by the woman's cycle, so all the appointments are structured by that. Um, you know, you do internal ultrasounds with the doctor. He'll pitch you on medicine at the beginning. Um, after the medicine is done, you come back, do another ultrasound, um, to see how your eggs and your levels are. And then we started doing shots, I guess, after 
the second IUI treatment or third IUI treatment. Um, we did, I did the shots in the stomach, which is, at first, I did the, got the fire department to do, which don't ever go to the fire department and let them give you shots, because you'll get bruises. So <laughs> I ended up just doing them myself, because they're a diabetic uh, shot. Um, so we ended up, you know, doing the shots. After the shots are done, he still, you know, does the ultrasound, checks your levels, checks how big the eggs have grown, because that's what the shots are for. Um, and then you do a huge trigger shot, which is the most painful thing ever, um, which I usually get the nurse to do that because it has to be in an area where I can't turn and actually inject it myself. Um, so we do the trigger shots. Within 24 hours is when Michael has to give his sample to the nurse's station there. Um, he can do it at the office or he can do it at the home. has to be with the doctor within an hour of him giving the sample. So it has to be completely timed because if it's, it has to be in a heating system or something um, or the um, sperm end up actually passing away. Um, and then within an hour of him turning in his sample, then there's a lady that like literally counts thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, she sits there for like an hour and does all this stuff. That's really amazing. But after, within an hour, I had to come back, and the doctor will inject the sperm um, inside. And what really what he's trying to do is when you're trying to get pregnant naturally as a husband and wife or however, you know, naturally, is um, when we actually get injected with the sperm, he's trying to let the sperm um, travel less to the egg, that's the reason why he does the injection. Um, that way he doesn't have as far to travel to the egg when the egg is actually ready on point. So um, after that, you just still take more medicine and you're pretty much at a waiting game for a good three, four weeks. Um, you do, you're not allowed to do any um, regular pregnancy test, nothing like that. So a lot of our fertility, you lose the happiness of what you would naturally experience um, with, so with like the, you know, the surprise that you're, um, that you're pregnant and taking like a pregnancy test, things like that. So it's not allowed for a good three weeks because the medicine will automatically have a positive um, result. Um, even though your body's not, like it could or cannot be positive, the test will automatically be positive. So you're not allowed to do any pregnancy test. Um, so he will do a blood work test as early as finding out when you're pregnant at three weeks. Um, a lot of people naturally won't know you're pregnant that early because you know you have to wait till your cycle doesn't start. And then, you know, surprise, you do the pregnancy test. But we um, can find out as early as three weeks being pregnant um, through blood work. And then um, we haven't got this far, but eventually, you know, once you get a positive pregnancy test with blood work, um, he will continue doing blood work and do an actual ultrasound. And eventually we've had friends. We've had, we have a couple here that we're really best friends with. Um, with their last IUI, they uh, were successful, 
and they got to graduate um, facility, which just means you get referred back to your OBGYN. So that's kind of our journey we've been doing. Um, I would say I can't keep up anymore, but I would say we've on six or maybe seven IUI treatments. Um, he starts all over. So we had a miscarriage um, over a year ago. We were three and a half, almost four weeks pregnant um, by blood work. And then the second blood work we did, it was not positive anymore. He starts all over. So he'll do up to six treatments. If you're not pregnant, he just refers you to a different treatment plan. We got pregnant the first time. Um, our last pregnancy, we um, got pregnant and we went to, it was a day that we were supposed to graduate um, fertility and we did the final ultrasound um, because we did our second miscarriage. We um, saw the ultrasound at six weeks and there was a heartbeat and he said it's really early and he was kind of shocked that there was a heartbeat that actually was that um, visual. So he wanted to wait a couple weeks to actually get a better understanding of the heartbeat before he actually refers you back to your OBGYN. So we, that was our next appointment was the, I guess, graduation appointment. Um, and that's when he said that we miscarried. What, what is, and I mean, that's like a documented, you sounded like a doctor whenever you were explaining all that. And you do, I, one thing I admire about that is that maybe in a lot of cases, the woman more so than the man, and I know that the, it's kind of like the man tries to keep up with the emotional support that, the, that, that his wife needs, but the wife gets to the point where she's done so much research that she can tell you almost everything about the science. But I know for us, there was a lot of disappointment and a lot of hard moments and I talked to you guys about that a little bit. What were, as you, as you went through this, what were some of just the, the gut checks and the, and, the, and the hardest moments where you maybe felt uh, frustration with God or, or, you know, we've been faithful, why is this happening? You know, I think more of Harley because she talked about this desire, probably more so than for an occupation, or what she was get for to be to be a mom, and what have been some of the hardest moments that you've you've had to walk through? And then we'll get to where was God and 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 how this has evolved. But what were some of the hardest moments that you've had to to walk through? Mook, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll share some. Um, for me, the whole process, I I try to be super supportive to Harley, and sometimes I'm not the best at it. I mean, I'm not I'm a, I'm a guy. Come on now, I don't have much emotions. But when we first started doing this, um, when we went to the fertility doctor, uh, I know it's been, it's like three years, because I, I remember I just got hired on with the fire department in Kingsport. Um, I was in rookie school, and I had to go give my sample to see how good my swimmers were. Um, that's enough explanation, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, and deep down in me, I was hoping that it was going to be me that was the problem. That, that my sperm was not 
good enough just so the pressure wouldn't be on her. And I don't talk about it a lot because of that, because I, I, wanted, I wanted it to be me. I didn't want her to have the, all the pressure on her. And sadly, it's, it's not been that way. Um, and and it, it breaks my heart because it was me. I didn't want it to, you know, I was wanting it to be me that was the problem. But um, just the whole process of going through this is just, just it's ups and downs, roundabouts, um, the process to go, like Harley said, it's, it, there's a lot to it. And I don't know. What do you think, Harley? I'm trying to... Well, was there any... I know one other thing that we talked about, and Beth and I could relate to this, and every single couple that's in this room right now, or, or maybe just individual, that's been through this experience before, one of the hardest things that we talked about was, you know, on Facebook, or a friend at work, you hear, oh, we're pregnant. And a lot of times, and maybe this is judgmental, or maybe sometimes it's just a fact, but you're thinking... They don't even want kids. They've been together, you know, six weeks. And, and just it's like you, you're like, I love my wife. Like this is something that's been important to us for, for years. Why? And, and we went through a, a hard time in our relationship with God with asking some of those same kind of questions. And you, you all talked just a little bit about that to me, which you... Your situation might have been a little bit different than ours with that. So, like, like you reiterated, um, or like you said, um, seeing people, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm happy for people that can have kids, and, you know, they've got their lives together. What I mean by that is, you know, they've got a stable relationship, they've got a house, they've got good jobs, and for me, what was really tough and what, and I hate to be this way, but I am. Being in the fire department and running calls and going into houses and you see people, kids, a little bit older, having kids and they're sitting in their bed overdosed on something and their kids sitting in the crib right beside them. Yeah. That, that gets me. That frustrates me a lot. And then it, and then I go back to the question: Well, why ain't we having it? Why, why are we struggling so much with trying to have kids when somebody like that can have a kid all day, every day? And it aggravates me. And and then I just get that's when I started getting frustrated, frustrated with the process, frustrated with why God, why us, why. Yeah, and then going back to the social media, you know, a lot of people put on, you know, the perfect family on social media, no matter what um, they may be going through. So, you know, I had a lot of friends um, that I graduated with, and then, of course, the older I got, um, I would, and this sounds really bad, <laughs> because I still, honestly, you know, we're all human, I still sometimes do it today, I won't defriend those people like unfriend them because I'm terrified they're going to find out. But I'll usually unfollow them um, when they announce that they're pregnant or expecting. Um, I'll unfollow them. And then when we first started, 
fertility after, especially after our first miscarriage, I was angry. Um, not at like the treatment or Dr. Ransom or anything like that. I was more just angry of like, you know, well, why are you making me pregnant? Um, if God knew that it wasn't going to, you know, the baby wasn't going to survive. So with, you know, I would just go back to social media, look at other, the perfect pictures of families and the babies. And even with the ones that I unfollowed, every night I would get, even if I unfollowed them, I would look them up and I would scroll through their Facebook. Oh, we all so do that. It was like that. an addiction. We, un- we unfollow people and then we, and then we go look at it. Yeah, I don't so, know why we do that, but we do that. <laughs> I mean, you guys might do that. I don't do that. <laughs> so, and there is, I mean, it's, it's not just friends. I mean, we would have family members that would get pregnant. And of course, we're happy for them because at that stage of their life, of course, they should be having kids. And, you know, we can't tell people, oh, just stop having kids until we're, until we're pregnant. Like, that's unfair for us to do. Um, even though deep down, I wanted to tell everybody just... Just wait on your life until my life is complete. Um, so we, the social media really does um, destroy your emotions, especially when you're going through that process. The treatments is already emotionally uh, draining. It's physically draining. Um, of course, it's financially draining. Um, insurance does not pay for any fertility treatments. Um, so I guess that's the process of that was I was just... And then with our first miscarriage, I was very, very angry um, at God. Uh, We had to tell family um, that we miscarried. We didn't tell family that we were pregnant the first miscarriage just after we uh, found out that we miscarried. We went to, I think we drove like all night to each person's house to tell them. So um, I guess to answer your question, it was more just frustration with social media and then you're every day just watching people. Yeah. Well, and the last thing that I want to ask you guys, because whenever, I don't know where Cody and Nicole, I see him right over there, but whenever they did their story the last time, one of the most beneficial things for everyone, myself included, uh, and this was a story about drug addiction, but they both came to a place in their lives where, and this was the most critical part for a follower of Jesus, Um, through their hurt and through their difficulty and through what they didn't understand at different times, they both had to make the decision to submit to God. That was a decision that they had to make despite the fact that they didn't know what was going to happen. So I kind of, I kind of phrased this question in this way. What was the most important thing that you learned? But I know after talking to you guys, because you've talked about anger, that there has been a place for both of you Because I I say this with no hesitation whatsoever. I look up to both of you in a lot of ways, in your faith and your consistency and who you are and how you do marriage. You're just wonderful people. And I think everyone in here that knows them would agree about that. So what was that turning point for you for someone in here that could not only be going through that, but could be going through their own level of frustration or difficulty with some other process. It could be addiction related, could be mental health related, could be frustration in their marriage. It could be a number of different things in which they just say, God, this is going to be your way. 
Like I'm turning everything over to you in this process. You have a plan through this. I can't understand it. You're in my tomorrow. What did that look like for you guys? And, and maybe you've not quite reached it. I don't know. But, but for both of you, that's kind of like how I would like to, to finish this thing. So for me, um, after our first miscarriage, in between the two miscarriages, um, like I said, I was angry, um, frustrated, things like that. Um, I had to, on my personal, outside of our my faith and to Christ, I had to uh, let go a lot of my OCDness. Um, I'm very... How did you do... Yeah, te- teach I, no, me. it's still hard. Um, I'm very organized as far as with work and at home, like color coordinated. You can ask my family if they want to plan something. I have to say, well, let me look at the calendar first if you want to go out to eat with us. Sounds familiar, (laughs) So with fertility, nothing is planned, which really frustrated me at the beginning. You know, I thought we can just do this and be done. Um, So in between the two miscarriages, um, you actually, Pastor Matt, did a... I don't know if it was a series or if it was just a Sunday service on prayer. Um, There was one specific topic that you discussed um, in the sermon prayer uh, or the series prayer was you kind of taught us how to pray differently or how to look at praying differently. Um, And I think that was the Sunday that literally changed my whole way of thinking how I should pray. I would always pray like, you know, God, just give me a family. As soon as you give me a family, I promise you, like, we'll raise them in church. We'll go see family more. We'll, you know, we'll let them stay the night with whoever you want to stay the night with. Um, instead be, be, care- of, be careful about that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, after that service that Sunday, my prayer life changed because um, you taught us how to not only, you know, of course, we want to pray like, okay, I want this, I want that. But you taught us to pray that if it's God's will, then, you know, we would have those things. So right before we found out we were pregnant with our second child, um, I prayed that it was God's will that we would be pregnant. We did find out we were pregnant. And the whole entire pregnancy of almost 12 weeks, 11 weeks, um, every doctor's appointment that I would go to, I would just say, if it's your God, if it's God, if it's your will, the blood work would come back positive. Amen. If it's your will, my levels would go up. If it's your will, you know, would go see ultrasound and, you know, and we would put, you know, I guess I would put every decision that the doctor was making and just pray, you know, if it's your will, we'll see the second ultrasound or if it's your, your will, we will graduate. Um, of course, we didn't graduate. But, you know, the second miscarriage, as bad as it sounds, um, of course, I still long for that child. But I felt more at ease with our second miscarriage. I wasn't angry afterwards. Um, of course, I was mad. for You know, I was still upset of losing a child. Um, but... I mean, I just remember, like, leaving, just saying, well, you know, like, we were heading back home. It was Michael's birthday. Um, we found out we miscarried. He planned the appointment, so don't blame I rem- me. I remember that. Um, I remember that. So, um, and I just remember going back to Kingsport because I took the day off, and I was just like, you know, I guess it was God's will 
for him to um, to raise, you know, our kid in heaven, and and you know, instead of Earth and things like that. And then, you know, we took a long break. Um, I had to have a surgery. My body wasn't doing, you know, the natural thing to get rid of the miscarriage. Um, so I had to have a DNC to, um, you know, for the doctors to go in and actually get rid of the miscarriage itself. Um, so I think that still today, you know, even when we do treatments, things like that, I'll still go to the appointments and just say, you know, if it's God's will that Dr. Ransom calls me, Dr. Ransom is very monotone. He gives no emotion, which I don't blame him. He has to deal with women every day. But, you know, he does not literally tell you anything until, like, the last minute. So, you know, I always pray every time we're expecting a call from him or his nurse, you know, if it's God's will, then he will say the good news. If it's God's will, then we will figure out what the next step is. Okay. All right. So... For me, after the first miscarriage, I was, of course, upset and still, like, how to put it, I was still frustrated, of course, and then went through the process again, and we got the good news, hey, yeah, we're pregnant again, or, you know, and then, of course, on my birthday, which is my mistake of planning it, so my birthday will never be the same, but it's okay, found out I had another miscarriage. At that, at that time, I was like, I'm done, I can't do this no more. God, you're in control now. You, you're in control. I, I can't do this alone anymore. And that that second miscarriage really upset me because when we saw the, the first ultrasound, you could see the heartbeat. And it's just, it's really tiny, but you could see the heart just flickering. In this, I mean, this little tiny thing, you just see the heart, like, I was like, oh, man, that's a kid. That's cool. And then, of course, a miscarriage. And after that, I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. You're, you're going to have to take over this situation. It, it, it's out of our hands. And, and I, like Harley said, um, God's will be done. And we've, had, we've got one of these little sons. Oh, is this what I asked you to bring? This is, yes. So yeah, yeah, we have me, one of these little this. signs right here, um, and it says God's will be done. So it, it's in, a, in the part of the house where we walk by it at all times. So I see this every day when I'm home, if I'm not at the fire department, and God's will be done. And I read it, and I'm saying, God, your will be done. Your will be done in this situation with infertility. Um, I know medicine helps. I know that going through this process is going to be tough doing this, but we can't do it without God. And that's why in my heart and in my mind and my soul, God's will be done with this. Yeah. No matter if we can't get pregnant, we can't have our own, God's will be done, and we will have a child one way or the other, whether yeah. it be adoption or however. Because, you know, we've talked about it. If we can't have kids on our own, we're going to adopt. Yeah. And God's will be done in that. Yeah. So. Guys, can we give them a hand today? 
And I, I, want us, I want us to do something very special as we close out. I'm going to ask Justin if he will. He can go ahead and come back up if he wants to. And um, I'm going to ask you guys, if you will, just to uh, come down here right in front of the monitor uh, for just a minute, if you'll stand right here. And I'm going to ask um, any of the leaders in the church on the, on the board of directors or on the senior leadership team that happen to be in the room right now, I know we've got some people out of town and some people in kids ministry, just to come up here and place a hand on, um, on um, Mook and Harley, because what we're going to do is we're going to pray for them. And then something else that I'm going to ask is that the rest of you here in just a second, whenever we start to pray, is just to extend uh, your hand out because uh, this journey, if if it does look like pregnancy, if it does look like adoption, um, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like. But the critical part for us, we could tell tell feel-good stories all day. But this right here, when when a couple comes to this place right here, or an individual in their lives comes to this place right here, the game changes. Everything changes. And when you come to this place right here where you've wanted something your entire life, if it's a career path, if it's the way you want your marriage to look, if it's the person that you want to be with, if it's, if it's children, whatever it might be, when you get to this place, you get wrecked, but then you get built back up, and it's something completely new, and it's amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray over this couple, and we're going to pray that God's will be done. But if you've gathered something from their story today, maybe you're in a place, maybe you're struggling with, with infertility in, in, in your marriage, Or maybe you're in a place today where you have to say, I've not surrendered all these things. And this, your will be done. I don't know if I have ever had the strength to do that in a situation like this. I'm calling on you guys today. If that's a commitment that you need to make, that as the band starts to play here in just a minute, I want to invite you to bring that to the altar today. If you need someone to pray with you, will be available. If you just need to pray on your own, that's perfectly fine as well. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Cody and Nicole and some other people that we've had up here, um, even Beth, as far as improvement, when Beth did her story, there was a little bit of glimmering light on the other side. What they've done today is not easy. It's not easy. Whenever I asked them to do this, I said, if you don't want to, I completely understand. So let's just give them one more round because that was so hard to do. Let's pray. Father, I just want to lift this couple up. God, I thank you so much for them. God, I just want to ask, Father, that you uh, watch over them. God, that you strengthen their marriage. And Father, I know that you have absolutely amazing things ahead for them. And Father, in their confusion in their questioning, in their doubt, in their struggles, in their social media scrolling, and everywhere that they are. I pray, Father, that they submit to you fully in everything that you do, in everything that they do. Because I know, God, that you have a future for them. You're already in their tomorrow. 
what we worry about, what we fret about, what we're insecure about. God, you are already there. And this is not just a message for this couple that we love, but this is a message for every single person that is in this room, that will listen to this podcast later, that's watching this live stream right now. It is hope, it is truth, and it is the only place that we are going to find it. So God, I lift up this family that I love so much. I pray that you continue to watch over the Jeters. And Father, we know and glorify in the reality that your will will be done. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.